into Jordan. Here's Michael at the foul line. A shot on Elo. Good! The Bulls win! Playoffs? We'll talk about playoffs? You kidding me? I'm supposed to be the franchise player, and we're in here talking about practice. Hello? You play to win the game. They're down to the 20. All the band is out on the field. He's going to go into the end zone. I don't believe what I just saw. One of the all-time shockers. Hey everyone, I'm Mitch Goldich, and welcome to episode 13 of my very creatively named Mitch Goldich podcast. Today should be a fun one. If you follow me on Twitter or like my Facebook page, you know that I was at the Super Bowl all last week, which was obviously a bucket list item for me and something I've wanted to do forever. Uh, I wrote a story about my week there that had some sort of behind-the-scenes type stuff about how I spent my time Monday to Friday, and uh, you can go check that out on my pages. And my guest, who I'm bringing on in a second, was also at the Super Bowl, uh, also for her first time, so we'll talk all about that. Uh, Before I bring her in, just want to say thanks, everybody, for tuning in and remind you that you can subscribe to the podcast in iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, or Google Play Music. You can also, if you're feeling generous, leave me a rating or a review in iTunes, which is always nice and helps other people find it uh, and listen to it. So thanks in advance for those of you who are going to do that. Uh, But now I'll bring in my guest, who, like I said, was also at the Super Bowl for her first time. She's a former co-worker of mine at SI and now an NFL Nation reporter for ESPN, and her name is Sarah Barshop. Hello, Sarah Barshop. How are you? I'm doing great. How about you? I'm great. I'm nice and relaxed and on vacation after the Super Bowl, which I needed. I'm assuming you're doing the same, also taking it easy this week? I am. I've been hanging out with my dog all week. Oh, nice. Just yeah. trying not to. I mean, I've written some, but trying to like take my mind off football a little bit after the craziness of last week. Yeah, yeah, it was crazy. It was fun. I uh, I totally forgot that I'd probably run into you down there. And then I ran into you, I think it was like literally two minutes after I arrived at media night my first day. I saw you and was like, oh, hey, how's it going? So it was nice to see you down there and catch up and thought this would be fun to have you on and talk Super Bowl stuff. And it was even more impressive that we found each other, given the number of people at that media night. <laughs> I know. There were so many people. It was mobbed. So we'll talk all about that, because I know media night is one of those things that um, – yeah, well, I guess we can just start there. I mean, everybody – I think a lot of people who go year after year, it's, like, annoying, and they talk of it, talk about it like it's a pain in the ass. And some of our people even show up, like, the next day, because they don't even care. I thought it was fun, because for me, it was, like – kind of a thing that I watch it every year, and I always would say, okay, yeah, someday I want to be there. So for me, it was kind of like a, a rite of passage to go, and yeah, it was crowded and weird, and you don't get too much out of it, but I thought it was fun. What did you think of media night on Monday? I thought it was cool. Um, I did, You know, I had watched it. This seemed tamer this year than in past. Like, I remember the last couple of years, like I remember watching this for, S- for SI last year, and just seeing all these like crazy costumes and all these really interesting people, and I think there was less costume people this year, but it seemed like there were a lot more people and reporters. And I thought it was fun. It was cool to see. You know, it, it's so different than watching it on TV. Like, you see there's so many players, like, at the podiums, and they're kind of all in the same place. And you're just like, well, hopefully I can get close to someone to ask them a question, you know? Yeah, it's. I mean, there was like no chance to ask Brady a question unless you. I feel like unless you already like knew him. I mean, there were people, and I think was it a. I think PFT commenter got in and and asked Brady a question. But it's kind of like if you want to do that, you have to stalk them out for the entire hour uh, because there were so many just cameras around, not even people. But it was hard to like get around them. But then it was easy. Like I went up, I talked to Mohamed Sanu and Vic Beasley. 
And during the Pats one, I spent time kind of stalking Jimmy Garoppolo because I wanted to uh, possibly get a quote out of him for a story. And then when I talked to him, it, he wasn't interesting and just like didn't give me <laughs> enough. And I was like, eh, this isn't worth it. But it was funny just like standing around him. And it's like both teams were available for an hour. And I think I spent 15 minutes of the Patriots time just like standing there. And Maggie Gray, my SI coworker, like didn't like box me out, but I was like standing there trying to get in. And she just like cut right in and started talking to him. I was like, <laughs> Maggie, how could you do that to me? God. But, uh, but it was, it was fun. Um, so yeah, so so you already mentioned uh, like watching it for SI, and I said at the top that we were coworkers there as sort of an introduction. Do you want to just walk us through your career path and how you got to your current job at ESPN? Yeah, so I started. I went to Marquette University. While I was in school there, I was lucky enough to cover the Packers for ESPN Milwaukee. So I was going up there while I was in school, and I got some great experience. And it was the first time I had ever really covered anything. Um, I went into college. I uh, didn't even know that I really wanted to write, but fell in love with it through covering the Packers. And then right out of school, I got the job as a, a fellow with Sports Illustrated, and that was a lot of fun. Um, living in New York was lots of fun. I met some great people. We had a lot of fun. There was like 13 of us who were all fellows, all around the same age, and we all kind of learned together and grew together. And then I had an opportunity in July. I moved to Houston to cover the Texans. This was my first year. I just finished my first season on an NFL beat full-time, being the number one. And it was really challenging and crazy, but it was it was a blast, and I love it. Yeah. Um, so I actually I had a previous episode of this podcast with Sheil Kapadia, who is the NFL Nation reporter for the Seahawks. And he and I talked a little bit in that one, and, and people who are tuning in for the first time can go back and listen. But he talked a little bit about how he jumped in. I think he was – because he'd been in Philly covering the Eagles, and he found out kind of late in the offseason that he was going to Seattle to cover them and had to sort of play catch-up. So what was that like for you to find out one offseason? And, you know, you followed the NFL, but not – I don't think the Texans particularly close or anything. So what was that like when you found out you were moving to Houston to cover the Texans just to sort of get yourself up to speed and get ready for the season? So I found out I was like officially offered the job at the beginning of July. I think I think that's when my contract and everything went through. And I didn't start until the second week of training camp. So that was pretty crazy. And like you said, like I've, you know, I've covered the NFL and I've watched it and everything like that. But when you've never covered a team before, there's this huge learning curve. And actually something about media night that really stood out to me is that, you know, there are guys at the podium, but then everyone else is just milling around and, you know, doing interviews and, like, thank goodness, a lot of them had these big sweatshirts on with their numbers on because I had, like, the Patriots and the Falcons rosters pulled up on my phone, like, okay, like, who is this? <laughs> I had and the I same thinking, exact thing. I yeah. I pulled it up on a tab, and I would, like, hide my phone so that nobody would see mm -hmm. what I was doing. Cause, but it's, like, stupid because I'm sure everybody was doing that. But in my head, I was like, oh, my God, everybody here knows every single player on the roster by sight and number. But I'm sitting there. I'm just like, who's, like, 62 on this team? Who's 75? And, and trying to figure it out. So it's good to know that you were also. Like, if I had been the Texans, I was, I was talking to um... – Someone I work with, like if this had been the Texans, I would have known everyone and it would have been so fun and easy because I think players in that situation, when they see a familiar face, they're probably like, let me go talk to that reporter or that person because, mm. you know, they're just, I can't imagine being in their shoes, just walking around and have people like clearly like, oh, who is this person? So that was a big learning curve when I took this job, just like learning about the Texans, you know, they're, you know, became an NFL team 
relatively recently, but still like, you know, just reading, obviously I came in, they'd already signed Brock Osweiler, Lamar Miller, you had DeAndre Hopkins. So it was just, you know, picking up what I could learn in the short time. And it definitely, I'm still not totally there, but I think by the end of the season, I was at least a lot more comfortable with the Texans than I was at the beginning of the season. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you definitely lucked out in that uh, of all the places to go, they sent you to Houston, which happened to be the city that was hosting the Super Bowl this year. So how far in advance did you find out you were also covering the Super Bowl? I mean, obviously, if the Texans had made it, uh, you know, I'm sure you would have been there. But did you know for most of the season that if the Texans didn't make it, you'd still be able to go cover the week? That was actually one of the the things I found out when I got the job offer. They were like, oh, by the way, we're going to use you to cover the Super Bowl. So I was pretty excited from the get-go. Yeah. And, um, you're like, like, oh, fine. Like if you I have had to, never covered it. one before. Right. I was like, I mean, I guess if you need my help, I'll be there. <laughs> yeah. But no, I was pretty excited about that. Yeah. So, um, did, so what were, did you have like specific assignments for the week? Um, cause I saw, I went back and read some of the things that you wrote, but, um, did you know going into the week, here's where I'm pitching in and what I'm working on, or did you just kind of go into it and say, okay, I'll find out some stories and talk to my editors and see what they want me to do. So I'd come into it thinking I was kind of just like pick. Uh, pitch bigger picture stories and just help wherever I could but they actually ended up assigning me to help on the Patriots and Jeff Legwold who's our Broncos reporter was there too and he was helping out in Falcons and so I was excited Um, Mike Reese who's our Patriots reporter I'd covered two in the Texans and the Patriots played twice this year both in Foxborough so I spent quite a bit of time getting to know him this year and so we had a lot of fun Um, as you experienced I'm sure the traffic in Houston is not great and so Mike and I spent many hours in a car driving from downtown to the Patriots hotel and back. So we had a blast and it was cool just to pick the brain. I mean, of someone who'd been doing it for so long, you know, this is my first year. And so to be with someone who I could just, you know, ask questions like, what would you do in this situation? Or where do you get this from? And he was great. And it was fun to, to cover a team also that at least I had watched two times this year. So I felt like I knew maybe a little bit more than had it been the Falcons. Yeah. Well, and also the Patriots, even if you hadn't watched them twice this season that, you know, I'm just anyone who's who watches football, you know, you've seen them a million times over the years and on this stage. And I'm sure you've seen, you know, 100 Patriots games over the years just in prime time and playoffs and all that stuff. Um, did you so that's cool about that experience with Mike Reese. Did you have that during the season, like other games that you covered and teams that you saw where you would sort of lean on some of the other ESPN folks? Because I know I talked to you. Uh, one of the nights we met up down there, how like there aren't many other ESPN people in Houston. So it's not like the experience of going to the office and being surrounded by colleagues, but were you able to sort of lean on that network of other reporters and editors and people like that, just kind of figure out like, okay, here's how I do this job as the NFL nation reporter. Definitely. Like I'll say that's one, like one of the coolest things about my job is that like, even though I don't have coworkers in Houston, I have one in every NFL city. And so, I mean, everyone was so nice to me this year. They emailed me during the week, reach out, like, hey, let me know if there's anything I can help you with, or if you need anything, you know, let me know. And I spent some some days, especially when they play, you know, when they were night games, like when they played the Broncos in Denver, I had lunch with Leggy, and, you know, I, I take advantage of all of that. I try and just take people's brain, because when you're in a city by yourself, you kind of, you know, it's kind of just like, well, figure it out. And so, yeah, no, it was great. And some of these reporters have been doing it for a long time. So, you know, I'll take advantage of that anytime I can. 
Yeah. So, uh, so bringing it back to Super Bowl week. Um, so you find out that you're pitching in on the Patriots coverage, but how much did you do to prepare for the week? Did you like do any extra research on both of the teams and look into it? I mean, what kind of what was that uh, like? Sort of because there was that two week period between when the Texans lost and when Super Bowl week started. So how much did you kind of cram in and, and study and prep for that? I did a lot of reading. Um, lots of Patriots. Stuff. I didn't, and at the time I didn't know I was necessarily doing Patriots. So I did a lot of, of reading of, um, you know, our guys of Vaughn and Mike, just what they were writing. I w- watched those games. Um, so I tried to just be aware of storylines as much as I could. Like, I think that's the most important thing just to be aware of like, obviously who the players are. And you kind of know that just by paying attention to the NFL, but just there's some stuff they're like, oh, I didn't know this, or, oh, I wouldn't have guessed that this player had such a big role in the team this year. Mm-hmm. And then storylines, it felt, it was such a, it was, it's funny that everyone said this, but it was like a boring week, right? It was weird, like, even being there, it's still exciting, and, like, media night was fun and hectic and all this stuff is happening, but even I could tell in my first one that it just, like, wasn't an exciting week with a lot to talk about, and I know a lot of people think it was election related and that people were following that or and or players didn't want to talk about the election so it, it was kind of like did you feel that too that it was weird how there just didn't seem to be as many storylines as most past Super Bowls that we've watched from home yes and also I think it's because we knew what the matchups could have been like I think Patriots Packers would have been you know you have Rodgers and Brady great storyline even Packers Steelers and so I think when it was when the Falcons made the Super Bowl, you know, for someone who's not a Falcons fan, it was kind of like, oh, what's the storyline there? Obviously, Matt Ryan's MVP. Um, you know, and those are two good quarterbacks. But, you know, it's funny. After all that, the game sure made up for that. Yeah. I was going to say, and that's such a bummer because the Falcons were such a fun team this season. And then, obviously, they they gave us a good game. We'll get to the game itself at the end for sure because that was uh, – I want to talk about, like, where you were sitting and how that experience compared to your usual games in that stadium. Um, but So let's talk the, – the week itself was really interesting. So I spent – it's funny, you mentioned um, like the, how I must know what the traffic was like in Houston. I feel like I don't at all because I feel like I spent most of my week in like a four-block radius in one part of the city. Um, it was weird how – so I was on Radio Row just about every day from Tuesday through oh, okay. Friday. And it was interesting how so many people down there have so many different jobs. And like some people are on Radio Row. Some people are going to the team availabilities and either – the Patriots or the Falcons are hitting both. And then I feel like a lot of people are just kind of, they're there and they're in town, but they're really like on the sides, working the phones, doing reporting and working on like their final, like end of season game stories and things. So were you, I know you said you went, you were going to Patriots uh, media availability and stuff. Did you spend a lot of time at radio row or was that kind of just the main focus of your week? Yeah, I was at radio row. Um, unless I wasn't necessarily on, like I know you guys had like a booth. I spent a lot of time in the workroom and at the press conferences. Like I went to the Lady Gaga press conference, the Luke Bryan press conference, that kind of thing. So I didn't, I have a car here, but I certainly did not drive this week or last week because I was worried about parking and just even getting around downtown. So I Ubered every morning. And so I would usually go down there pretty early in the morning and just walk around Radio Row, especially to see if there were any Texans there. Um, because I wanted to be able to use that. JJ Watt spoke one day, which was awesome. He did like an, he, he hadn't talked since he, 
was put on injured reserve in September. So I took advantage of that. We all did, all the local media did, and we talked to him one day. Like Hopkins was doing some sponsored stuff on Radio Row, so I grabbed him one day. So I spent my mornings kind of doing that because the Patriots elected to have the later availability. So it wasn't until four most days. So then Mike and I drove out there, and, you know, I spent my my afternoons that, and then the evenings were more like parties and fun stuff and events and stuff like that. Yeah. So how well do you know J.J. Watt if he didn't speak after he got hurt in September that early in the season? Like, are you a familiar face to him? Did you guys interact much the first, uh, like the end of training camp at the beginning part of the season? A little bit. We bonded over the fact that I went to college in Wisconsin and he okay. went to, he, and he grew up there. Um, yeah. So a little bit, but not really. I mean, he wasn't in the locker room for most of the season. And, you know, some guys, when there's nothing, when you're not interviewing someone, you just like stand and chat in the locker room. And that was never the case. Um, one, I'm certain the PR staff would not let us around JJ, even if it was just a chit chat. Um, but yeah, he didn't, he didn't do any interviews. So that was really the, I mean, that was the first time we had talked to him since it was probably since he did a press conference before they played the Patriots in week three. Mm -hmm. But then, so somebody like DeAndre Hopkins, who you said you grabbed for some time, he would definitely know you and you talked to him plenty during the season, I'm guessing. Yeah. You know, the Houston media court, it's not huge. Um, I mean, there's a lot of uh, radio and TV people, but I, there's really not many of us that travel. And so, you know, the benefit to that is that whether they like it or not, the guys see you all the time. So it's yeah, definitely a familiar face. Mm -hmm. So what did you think of Radio Row? Because that's what the – and I, I talked at the top about how I wrote a piece about my experience there for a few days, and I spent a lot of time on Radio Row. And that was sort of like the impression that I had from hearing about it from other people is that there's just, oh, everybody's there and all the players and you grab them and chat. And from what I could tell, it was just like so overscheduled. Like there were, you know, like like everyone says, there were a million players, but they all just had very set like minute by minute itineraries. And they said, OK, I got to be here at like we would have meetings with people and they'd be at like quarter after or 20 of or like random times and they'd say okay we'll be at SI for 10 minutes or 15 minutes and then it's on to the next thing so it's like I saw people like Drew Brees and Antonio Brown and even like non-players like Drew Rosenhaus but it, it wasn't like I was going to be able to just like walk up to Drew Brees and be like hey Drew give me uh give me 10 minutes real fast because he had like a million people like his PR people and agent and whoever and they all are like sponsors and hawking products so so what was your impression of radio row and and you know i don't know you've spent a lot more time than i have actually reporting and being around players and things like that but um were our impressions similar i mean i know you were sort of in the media workroom and not necessarily out and about but what uh, i mean what were your thoughts on radio row itself yeah it was one of those things like i'd heard about in the past but i'd never been obviously and so it was interesting I was hanging out with um, people from USA Today, who I believe were pretty close to you guys, and they were telling me how, you know, sometimes people would come up to them, like um, PR handlers or whoever would be like, hey, can we push this back 15 minutes? And they were doing a bunch of Facebook Lives. They're like, oh, not really. Like, we have someone booked, like, every 10, 15 minutes, yeah. um, every hour, because that's just how it works there. You know, it was crazy. Like, I saw some players, and they were saying how, um, some Texans players were just walking around um, and they were just saying how it was uh, just kind of an overwhelming experience. Like one of them was being interviewed for Radio Row with Corey Moore and he was walking around and I saw him and it was, he was trying to find the Player Tribune booth 
And I was like, hey, like, I'll walk with you. I'm going that way, too. Like, I'll help you find it. And we were walking around, and I was just like, I don't know. Like, some people had signs, some people didn't. And it was just there were a lot of people in a very small space. And it was funny, like, every player was hawking a product. <laughs> so, like, I yeah. – we had a set thing with Greg Olson, and they asked me to handle it. So I interviewed him, but it was like he was there for Old Spice, and I was told, like, I had to ask a question about Old Spice, which I always, like, feel weird about, <laughs> like, doing. Like, on, like, a podcast read where you have to read, like, a sponsor, it's fine. But a lot of times when you have to, like, talk to the players – so, like, uh, Melissa Jacobs, our NFL editor, had a thing with Antonio Brown, and she had to ask about Visa, and he gave, like, a demonstration where he had this, like, ring on his finger and, like, used it <laughs> as his credit card, and it was just, like, so funny. So, like, Drew Brees, who I talked about earlier, we had him on set, and he was, like, he did the whole interview while holding a can of Chunky Soup, <laughs> and so it was just, like, so funny to see that, like, I think, like, you know, people, like, quote-unquote, like, real journalism, like, things that people would not necessarily want to fly, like, in a normal interview setting but at radio row it's just accepted like oh yeah we're gonna be hawking all these products and like letting them talk about it and sure i'll ask greg olson a question about old spice and he was like wearing an old spice t-shirt which maybe made it less awkward to to bring it up but it was just <laughs> like funny to see like how the how the circus runs on the inside and that's why they're willing to push people and set up these interviews every 10 minutes for the whole week um i don't know if you and uh, to, like oh go ahead and to see like so many players are not available like like I said Watt wasn't available like while he was hurt and you have this collection of talent and I I guess I didn't really understand why but talking to one of the players and he was like this is a sponsorship like this is a big deal for all my sponsors like I have to be here you know yeah and it was interesting some players were saying like especially because the Texans made the playoffs and they lost to the team in the playoffs that was playing in the Super Bowl and one guy was telling me like it feels like you know doing these interviews sucks because you're just like, yeah, I should be playing in this game. Or like, I want to be playing in this game. It sucks that I'm not. And he was like, some guys ask, like some people ask me when I'm doing the interviews, like, are you having fun this week? And he was like, no, I want to be playing in this game. And instead I have yeah. to like be around it. And, and also because sponsorship stuff. the Texans, I'm sure every question, every guy got asked like, oh, so, you know, how do you beat the Patriots? And like, talk, like dig into the matchup that they had with them. And like, let's talk about that game you lost two weeks ago, which I'm sure they, they don't <laughs> right. love reliving because they're used to you lose and you have your whole off season to relax and uh, kind of get over it. Exactly. Um, so, yeah, so you mentioned the parties a little bit earlier and I wanted to ask you about that. And I uh went to a couple but uh i went to the one the media party itself which is where i saw you on i think tuesday night and then i ended up getting into the nfl pa's vip party because we were again only because we had access we were doing interviews with some players there and then at the end they were like all right if you guys want to go upstairs and enjoy the party you can which was kind of fun but uh i'd love to know which ones you got into were you there was was there like an official espn party i'm guessing you were at that one well, there was. I was not at that one. Oh. That is a very exclusive party, apparently. I know. I didn't know it was a big deal. I had, like, mentioned it um, to our editor. I was like, yeah, so, like, we could go. And he was like, um, I'll try and get you tickets, but I don't know. And then he, like, followed up and was like, hey, I'm really sorry. Like, even I can't go. But if I get anything, I'll let you know. I was like, it's really not a big deal. I didn't know this was such a yeah, high-stakes thing. Like, I, I would not just, have guessed I that an ESPN could, like, employee can't even get into the ESPN right. party. Yeah. Uh, I was like, that, I thought I could just show my like ESPN badge and be like, hey, come in. So yeah, no, I did not go to that. There one. were there were so many people just talking all week where it was like, 
you would beg somebody to like, oh, if you get – if they let you bring one more, like keep me in mind. I felt <laughs> like there were people who were just like, hey, what are you doing tonight? What are you doing tonight? It was like when the sun was up, the whole media room was busy, and then it was like as soon as the sun set, Radio Row just cleared out, and everybody was just like trying to get into like the coolest party that they could. Um, that's, right, and like people were at parties and were like bargaining like, oh, I hear there's a number, another one right here. Like let's leave and let's go. <laughs> Yeah. What? So what? Uh, so like, which ones did you make it into then? So Tuesday night, that media party, which I thought was awesome. It was at this um, a science museum and a natural science museum, and they had the whole thing open. There was music, amazing food, great bars. Yep. Um, I had like the they had oysters and I went to the whiskey tasting. tasting. I mean, it was incredible. It was way cooler than I expected. You know, like sometimes you hear like media party. Um, and everyone gets invited, but that was, that might've been one of my favorite parties of the week. Um, and then I went to Mike Silver's and Jeff Darlington's party. I think that was Wednesday night that was cool. Um, but there were a lot of people there that just, I mean, it it was a smaller space in the museum. There were a lot of people I was like, Oh, you're an NFL player. Or like a lot of people that I felt like I should know. And I like kind of recognized, but I didn't know who it was. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's so the interesting thing that. to me is where like the parties where the players and the media are there together <laughs> like I like the so I was at because it was the NFL PA it was like almost all players and agents and people on that side and then there were just like a few of us I'm sure there were other like media people who were there but we were definitely the minority and so I kind of felt like I was crashing their party so I like I did my interviews in the area I was supposed to and then when I went upstairs it was like kind of let them do their thing and I'm just here to eat food and drink some drinks and that's it. But uh, but it's always interesting, like the parties where people are talking like, yeah, I saw so-and-so like this, you know, Pro Bowl player was there. And it's just like weird to see how like all these guys, like the players and the media and everything are just like interacting at the same parties together. That that part, I didn't quite like see that scene, but that, that always uh, sounds interesting to me. Well, and it was cool. Like, you know, a lot of times you – you spend all day with like media people and like, obviously it's all my friends and you spend a lot of time with them. So it was cool to be at a party where it was different. It wasn't like the same exact people as the media party or, you know, the same people that you hang out with all the time. Mm-hmm. So I thought that was awesome. Um, and that was, that was a late night and made for it. And then, then that, so that morning I had done the JJ Watt stuff and he did his interview at, I think it was seven forty-five in the morning. So, it was a long day. <laughs> yeah. So do you have any good, like, celebrity sightings or good dirt on just, like, people getting sloppy or any fun stories that you probably shouldn't share, but maybe I can get out of you anyway? Um, let me think. I'll tell you about the other parties, and I'll think about that. Okay. Um, so then I did the EA Sports Bowl, and I was actually covering that, and then it turned into this amazing concert with Sam Hunt, the Chainsmokers, and Snoop Dogg. Yeah, I heard Snoop about Dogg that. I heard people. Well, I saw people like tweeting all about Snoop Dogg as soon as he came out, and I heard that was so the EA Sports one, the, the ESPN one, and I think a Maxim one were the three that I heard a lot of people talking about all week as far as like what they were trying to get into, and I did not get into any of those. Well, EA Sports, like I went for work. I had no idea it was going to be this big concert. Like they just they asked me if I could cover it, and so I was like, sure. And then I had gotten an email saying how like Sam. Hunt and the Chainsmokers would be after, and I love Sam Hunt and the one Chainsmokers song I know. And so I was very excited. <laughs> the one song and then anyone looking, knows. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And so then I'm looking at the media sheet for that, 
that night and it said Snoop Dogg was performing. I was like, this is interesting. This is new. And so he said he was supposed to go on at 11. He went on at 1 a.m. Oh, my God. And I think we left at like a little before 2 because it was I was so tired and I knew I had to like work the next day. But it was in this place called Club Nomadic, which is a pop-up club that is probably already torn down. And it was basically just built for the Super Bowl. They got their liquor license, I think, like a day before it opened. And I think the first thing was that EA Sports Bowl. And so that was really fun. It was a cool atmosphere. And yeah, there were a lot of people. So, we were up in the... We so I, the I was VIP in... Uh, I was at Club Nomadic. And I guess I maybe I shouldn't... Uh, put down my party experience too much because I somehow got into the direct TV event on Friday night, which was also at club nomadic. And I saw Taylor Swift play for like an hour and, uh, which I did not expect at all. Somehow, like I think, uh, Melissa, our editor got hooked up with like four passes and somehow like put four of our names on the list for Saturday night. And so I went with three coworkers and there was like a DJ playing in like a giant warehouse, and then Taylor Swift came out, and she mentioned that like the building didn't exist two weeks before, and then we were just like partying in this giant warehouse and like open bar and uh, and Taylor Swift, which was crazy and a lot of fun. So yeah, yeah, so that, that was my favorite party. So I ended up that, there too. Oh, you were there so too. I, oh, I wow. actually like, yeah. So that was I was I'm a big Taylor Swift fan. I've never seen her in concert, mm-hmm. and. I found out um, I had heard she was coming and, but no one could figure out how to like get tickets. It was this big invite only thing. And so then I get an email um, asking if I wanted to apply for credentials for the red carpet. It's like, yes. And so I actually ended up, I did end up working and I did some stuff for our site because there were a lot of athletes that came through the red carpet. Um, but I didn't find out I got credentials until I think it was Thursday morning. And I was like, walking around the convention center telling everyone that I saw, they're like, Oh, what are your plans? Like, how's it going? I'm like, good, but it's going to get better because I'm going to see Taylor Swift on Saturday <laughs> night. And I am so excited. It's so funny that like you go to cover the Super Bowl, and then like in a span of four or five days, you saw Snoop Dogg, Taylor Swift and Lady Gaga all play. <laughs> like, that's yeah. just, it's so funny. Yeah. I feel like bad. Cause I don't go to a ton of concerts and I feel bad that I have friends who do and spend a ton of money on concert tickets and then for me to just come home and be like, oh, yep, saw Taylor Swift and Lady Gaga on consecutive nights, and they were both awesome. But uh, well, I don't and know. Taylor Swift cool. said that's the only performance. She's not going on tour this year, so we were at 100% of her concerts yeah. in 2017. Which is funny. Yeah. it was. Uh, I didn't see you there that night. Where were you uh, standing for that one? Um, so I got up to the the third floor VIP section. Ah. So, um, so we. I, I had managed like to the... do that both nights. I had the bracelet uh, that it said like it was VIP, and then we walked in, and it was basically everybody had a VIP bracelet, and then we found out there was a second floor and a third floor for like extreme VIP people, and we were not in that, so we were like standing on the floor, but it was still fine. It was much more crowded, but we were like really close to her on the stage. When she like walked out on stage, we were very close. So it was cool. I'm certainly not going to complain about where I was standing during my free Taylor Swift concert. So exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah. As far as dirt, I'll, I'll I, don't, oh, yeah. I don't have any specific examples, but I'll I'll just say I think the funniest thing was like watching people who are clearly NFL players um, walk into parties, and a lot of people just don't like not knowing who they were, including <laughs> myself. Like when guys, you know, like you we we cover a sport that everyone has helmets on. Yeah. 
Um, and so it was and you interesting. Think like, a lot of these guys are used to being like the guy, and like if they go out in their city that they play in, like fans recognize them and stuff, and then they're around reporters, and people are just like, whoever that guy is, like have fun. Yeah, or they'll like be in a you know a large group, and you're just like, oh, you're probably like all here doing stuff, and there's so many players here that you you know like you're normally when you go out, you're probably like the most famous person in a bar, any given bar you go to, and here. They're like Michael Irvin was like hanging at the party, you know? Yeah. <laughs> um, cool. So should we, we should probably talk about the game itself uh, before I let you get out of here. So, um, so obviously you're very familiar with NRG stadium in Houston and I figure you're usually in the press box for games, but I saw you tweeted a picture that you were in the auxiliary area. So um, first, how about like what, what's a typical game day like for you if it's just a normal Texans home game, uh, I guess noon local time start for them. What's a normal game like for you? And then we can get into what the Super Bowl was was like. So I live five minutes away from the stadium. Um, so I don't live downtown. So I actually hadn't really been downtown before all the time I spent there last week. Um, so I normally, if I'm doing TV in the morning, that's usually, I'll usually get there at like 7.30 or 8. Otherwise, I probably don't, you know, depending, because they, they do an active an hour and a half before the game. And sometimes there's a benefit to being there early, but other times you just end up sitting there in the press box. Um, so unless there's a reason to be there early, I'd say you usually get there like 9.30 or 10. Um, and then, you know, if I, if there's anything to write in the morning, you know, if, if there's anyone we don't know what's playing, maybe I'll have written something to the morning already, um, you know, go see people I know, just chat, we'll eat, um, and then just kind of hang out until inactive. And then sometimes I have a field pass and I can go down and take photos. We have this thing called shortstop where it's like goes on the side of ESPN.com. And so we try and use that for, you know, a lot of photos and news and, and any information. So I try and just find some interesting things to do, um, you know, stuff that fans necessarily wouldn't necessarily have access to. Um, so, yeah, that's usually my pregame routine. So then what was your uh, pregame routine? Obviously, the game started much later in the day, I think 5.30 local time kickoff. But so what did your Super Bowl day look like? So I knew that something I'd be doing pregame was like looking for people love to know like about concession items, like what they have, how much they cost and like merchandise and stuff like that. And so I got to the stadium. I Everyone else was taking the media bus, but because I live so close, it wouldn't have made sense to. So I got dropped off actually at the stadium and I hadn't really driven by the stadium since like I'd been driving around just because a lot of it was blocked off or just, I knew it'd be busy that week. And so that was the first time I really saw everything. And they said in front of Kirby, which is the street that Energy's on, they said the in front of Kirby, it would be blocked off, but I didn't realize they were going to build this like whole compound to that you have to go in and through. I mean, it took, a while, I mean, they had a very thorough security process, which is good, and they were very efficient. It was very pleasant, but it was just crazy to see, like, normally you have, like, one person just, you know, check your bag and someone wand you down, and then you can go right in. I mean, you experienced it. It was this, like, big stand-in line here, and, you know, they would make sure your credentials are real by you know, scanning yeah, it. Yeah, scan and the barcode stuff. and my face popped up on yeah. the machine. <laughs> that it, was, it was me, yeah. Um, and like the metal they're like, detectors. You can tap it. Yeah. They're, they're like, you can tap it. 
And I was like trying to tap, but they're like, no, with your credential. I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> I didn't know. Yeah, it was very so cool there. inside, though. I spent a lot of time just walking around. They had like, I feel like they had 30 different tailgate areas and bands and concerts and games and activities and things. And there were just like a ton of people wearing jerseys of the two teams playing and the Texans and just like a ton of other popular players. And it was fun. Like I took a bunch of pictures and videos of just like interesting people outside. I So like I had a fun job because I was basically just posting stuff to SI's Snapchat and Instagram during the game and pregame because we had a million other people there who were actually writing. So for me, I was just like walking around looking for fun people. And, and there were tons of them out there. Yeah, so that's what I kind of did. I was in the stadium, but I was walking around and looking like they sell Cheetos popcorn and energy. I didn't know that. <laughs> Um, yeah, I, I saw you to took a, you it, tweeted a million not. pictures of food prices and things like that. So I didn't know if that was on purpose or if you just saw it and decided yeah, it was so fun and I, started doing it. Yeah, that's what they wanted me to do, and they put that together, and they, they built an article for it. So mm-hmm. I did that before the game. I saw a lot of our reporters, and I just I walked around. Um, it was cool. I went down. We were up. The auxiliary press box was up high. Were you in the main press box? I was not. <laughs> so I had an interesting uh, – experience so they basically have the main press box and then they have the auxiliary area and then i didn't have like an assigned ticket on my credential so i went up to the auxiliary area and was like hey is there like an overflow seating or some place where i'm supposed to be and they told me that my credential was good for the media workroom which was actually a tent outside of the stadium And I was like, okay, well, no chance that that's happening. So (laughs) I basically, I spent the entire game just walking around the concourse and finding, like, so, uh, you know, they have the usher at the top of the section who makes sure nobody sneaks down, like, incorrectly into the sections. And I basically spent the whole game just moving section to section, standing at the top, like, looking down, watching the game, and then, like, running around taking pictures and videos and things like that. Um, so I was just like mobile and like just trying to keep moving so that I wouldn't get like caught or hustled away. Not like caught. I don't think I did anything <laughs> that I wasn't supposed to do, but I didn't really have like a home right. base, but there was no chance that I was going to go to the tent outside the stadium. And I was worried that okay. like, if I went there, they would, I wouldn't be able to get back to where I was. So I was like, okay, well, if I'm here, I'm staying and I'll just keep moving. And, but I was like, not going to go to the tent. So that was so that was my experience. Although I did have an amazing spot to watch the very end, uh, like the final two minutes, that last Patriots touchdown, and then over time, I basically I don't want to say that I walked past an usher to sneak into a section really close <laughs> to the field, but hypothetically, I might have done something like that and had a great place to watch the end of the game. So awesome. we'll, leave, we'll leave it at that. Yeah. But <laughs> so yeah, were... so I was up in the. Auxiliary press box, which is in section 600. So it was pretty, it was very high, but it actually was lower than the press box. The press box is very high at energy. And so at first I was kind of bummed that I wasn't in the press box like when I first found out it was in the ox. But you know what? It was a great experience. Like it was cool to be, I wasn't, I mean, if I was writing a game story, I think it would have felt differently uh, because I can't imagine trying to write, you know, the beautiful prose while, you know, the game is down to the wire and people are just screaming. But I did, I was doing Patriots grades after the game or during the game that posted as soon as the game was over. And um, so it was an interesting experience and it was cool to just be in the atmosphere. And I mean, you, it was like being at your essential. I mean, I was sitting in a stadium seat. They had just built tables for us. So it was a, a cool experience for sure. 
Yeah, it was very cool up there. You also, I'm sure you saw more of the game than I did, because I feel like I saw most of it. <laughs> but there were definitely some plays where I was like running from one section to another, or I was just blocked by somebody. So there were a couple of times I was talking to people after the game, and they'd reference something, and I'd be like, eh, I don't totally remember that <laughs> uh, third down conversion. Or there was one, like, the, the Patriots had a fourth down play that they converted and I was like I gotta be honest I don't think I realized that was fourth down <laughs> like I remember the play and I remember that they got a first down but I, I didn't realize that was like a fourth down situation which is like it was such a weird way because I'm used to following and like I'm the kind of person who when I'm watching at home I'll always I have like the laptop up with like the box score and like the pro football reference like historical stats and like looking at all that and it was funny that like of all the Super Bowls I've seen I almost feel like I wasn't able to follow it as closely as I usually am because I was in the building and you don't get all the replay angles. Although, you know, they, they did show a bunch on the video board, but I mean, it was a, it was a great trade off because it was so cool to just be in there. And especially the ending where I was like right in among all the fans. And I took some cool videos of how the fans reacted to the two point conversion to tie it up. And then the end of the game. And then I was like tweeting those and passing them along to SI to push the videos of just like Patriots fans going absolutely nuts. It was it was a very, uh, you know, as as you know, and as the whole world knows, even my, my grandmother, I was on the phone with her, she was telling me what an exciting end of the game it was, and uh, and she's not she's not a big football watcher, but I think everybody knows what a what a crazy Super Bowl it was. Um, you also you have a, a I know, claim isn't that to crazy. Our first our first uh, Super Bowl was the best Super Bowl there's ever been. I know it'll be hard to top it. The way I'm looking at it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, you also, you have a claim to fame, which is that, uh, ESPN had like a hundred experts predict the scores and you were the only person who had the score exactly correct at Patriots 34, Texans 28. Um, how did that come out? Did, were you, did you expect overtime or did you just kind of pick kind of a random number at 34? How did, uh, was, what was the science behind your pick? Um, I'll be honest. I was, I got an email asking for my pick. And I was like, well, I should do this now or else I'm going to forget because it's due by Thursday. Mm-hmm. And I was like, um, I think the Patriots are going to win. I think it will be close. Here's the score. And I, and I totally forgot about it until when it was, I think, right after they tied it. Um, my husband actually texted me and was like, hey, if you, it, didn't you pick 34-28? He was like, if the Patriots score in overtime, you're going to get it right. Yeah. Like, wow. Like, I that, totally forgot. That but, was my next question yeah, is, no. did you, like, spend the whole game thinking about it and wondering and, and, like, rooting for your score to happen? No, but once once I realized that I had a chance to get it right and they tied it, I was like, okay, you guys need to win it over time because yeah. I would love to be right. That was so my – uh... like, like, when you tweet it, you know, like, it's like, oh, I could retweet myself. But I had a lot of people tweet at me and, like <laughs> – Message my I noticed that too. You were very gracious. Instead of bragging about it, you just retweeted a couple <laughs> of other people who were bragging on your behalf, which is a nice way yeah. to play it. I would have been much more uh, obnoxious. Like I, so I had done a prop bets podcast for SI, and uh, and by the way, people listening to this, you can go listen to that one as well. Although I guess now it's kind of too late. But um, so Eric Single and I had talked about a ton of prop bets. And my favorite one was that more than two and a half players would throw a pass. 
and I had said it would be Edelman or Sanu, and I had talked, I had tweeted a few times during the week about how I needed Julian Edelman to throw a pass, and so of course he did, and as soon as he did, I got text messages from like 10 people and like a couple of tweets, <laughs> and I was very obnoxious tweeting about, retweeting myself and tweeting about how right I was, but so then, so then my big one was I also was on the Patriots scoring exactly 26 points, which is kind of a random number, but I had explained it and laid it all out, how the Falcons would get touchdowns and the Pats would be playing catch up and they would get to 26 and go for a two point conversion to make 28 and miss it. And then that was like almost exactly what happened. And if they had missed that last two point conversion. And so I'm like watching it and I'm texting and emailing with friends about like, okay, if they get the two pointer here and then they score again and miss. And I was very close. So I was, uh, I was devastated that I didn't have my score correct, but I am still, I'm happy for you that you were able to have yours and you'll be able to have that. Although now the pressure is on you for next season to, to pick the score again. I know someone tweeted at me and was like, okay, what's, who's going to win the Super Bowl next year? All right, yeah, I'm going to quit like, while I'm ahead, and pick, I'm going uh, to pick the lottery numbers. I'm sure people are asking you for yeah. those, too. Um, all right, just a, a couple more. So what uh, do you have, like, a personal highlight? I mean, obviously the game was incredible, but looking back at the whole Super Bowl week, do you have sort of a, a personal highlight or a thing that you'll uh, look back on and be most excited about just from your first Super Bowl week experience? I think there was just a moment and maybe it was media night. Maybe it was during the game of just like, wow, I get paid to do this. Mm -hmm. This is my job. And that was a really cool feeling. And I mean, I know the only reason I was covering it is because it was in Houston, but like (laughs) maybe one day the Texans will play in a Super Bowl and I'll get to cover that. And you know, just a feeling of like, you know, it was a challenging year but like this is what was at the end of it and it was so much fun and I got to see so many people too like I ran into you um I ran into people who when I we covered the Packers Mm -hmm. at the same time I was walking and I was like oh my gosh like this is there's so many people from like different parts of my life that are here covering the NFL so that was really cool too yeah very cool and it was cool to and and I know how you feel at like it was like, oh, I'm only here because it happens to be in Houston. But there were still, I had a couple moments where I had an interview here or did something else where I was just kind of like, you know, I felt like I belonged there. And I was like, okay, like I can handle this. And, and it was cool to, and like, you know, I've been in those situations before, like covered a game and been around the press. But there were a couple times where something went right or something went well. And I just thought, okay, like, yeah, I, I belong here. I can hack it. And, and, and that was, uh, I had a couple of cool moments like that. Um, Last question for you. Is there anything that you learned that uh, because it was your first time, like things you learned from the whole week experience that you'll be more prepared for next time around? I think I learned just to be everywhere. Uh, like don't not go to something because you think it, you know, it won't be worth it or it won't be cool. Or you just think like, I need to like go sleep. Like don't sleep. Just go do, say yes to all the fun things. Like there were um, a couple of parties I didn't go to because honestly I was just dead and I knew I wouldn't make it to the game. But I think if you can manage that and you can just be everywhere, there's always, you never know who you'll run into, whose story you'll hear, whose story you'll be able to tell. Um, so I think just, you know, I saw some of the veterans who were just all over the place. Like Mike Reese was saying how someone was telling him, like, I can't believe you're at Falcons availability. And he was like, I'm here for work. Like this is, you know, I want to be here. I don't want to miss anything. Um, So it was a good lesson. And just like, you know, just, just as a journalist, you know, just be everywhere and be listening and, you know, you never know what will happen. Yeah. I was also surprised how 
Saturday was just like such a dead day. I feel like everybody just kind of takes that day off. Um, like I, I just felt like so many people like it's like if you really and like you said, if you don't sleep and you just kind of bust your ass all week, Monday to Friday, you do kind of get a day off if you want it before. And you can kind of like recharge before the Super Bowl, which I was not expecting because I thought that I was going to be like working a ton on Saturday like I had all the other days. But it was interesting that that kind of wasn't the case. So then, you know, the whole week was exhausting. But Sunday, I actually got up and, you know, I did the Taylor Swift thing Saturday night. But I woke up Sunday morning and I actually felt okay. And I was kind of I was ready to go to the game and survive and, and make it to the end and then sleep 12 hours uh, the day after the Super Bowl <laughs> when when it's the right time to catch up on sleep. Uh, one of my one of uh, someone who covers the Texans, our, the AP reporter said, I, I texted uh, we had gone out to dinner after the game. Just, or Well, I should say we went to Whataburger at like two in the morning after we left, maybe two thirty. And I texted her Monday morning. You just went morning. from we went out to dinner after the game to we grabbed yeah. a burger at 2.30 in the morning. Yeah, I should say that's yeah. really – I'm remembering that's actually what it was. <laughs> and I texted her the next next day and was like, my whole body's sore. Like, I, I slept in and I feel like – I think I slept until 11 and I didn't even feel like I slept. And she texted me later that day and was like, I think I've slept for a total of two hours. I think I've been awake for a total of two hours today. That sounds about right. That's what's nice about having it in the town you live in because I – had like an 8 a.m. flight on Monday morning. And so I was like at the airport at 6.30, like up at, I don't even remember what time, but it was like stupid early. So I, I like got home from the Super Bowl and you can't just like go to sleep after a game like that. You need time to like decompress and like, you know, like, uh, I don't know, come back to earth and, and you're all wound up and everything. So I ended up, I got like an hour or two of sleep and I think it was like, not even sleep. It was like I napped like with the light on and then just like got off the top of my bed and like went to the airport. (laughs) Just like a crazy. Yeah. I'm impressed you woke up for your flight. Yeah. It was, I don't know how I did, but I, I'm glad that I made it and I'm uh, enjoying vacation now, which is good. So cool. Well, this was fun. It was great to see you down there and catch up and I appreciate you uh, picking the phone up to chat with me again a couple days later. This was cool. Thanks for doing it. Yeah. Thanks for having me on. It was fun. Sure thing. So uh, everybody listening, you can follow Sarah on Twitter at Sarah Barshop, S-A-R-A-H-B-A-R-S-H-O-P. And you can follow her. I know she'll be covering the Texans through the offseason and plenty more stuff and other football things. Is there anywhere else they can uh, follow you or anything else they should be looking out for? Yeah, like my Facebook page, Sarah Barshop. Okay. Um, And I will also post uh, my stories there. Maybe some fun mailbag stuff coming up, so like that page. Okay, cool. So find her on Twitter and on Facebook. You can also follow me on Twitter. I'm at Mitch Goldich, M-I-T-C-H-G-O-L-D-I-C-H. You can also like my Facebook page, which is Mitch Goldich Sports Writer. And you can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, or Google Play Music. I've had some other really fun episodes with some cool media people. Uh, I mentioned the Shield Capadia one, uh, Sarah's co-worker at ESPN, also an NFL Nation reporter. Uh, I talked to Tom McCarthy in January, who called the radio broadcast of that awesome Packers-Cowboys playoff game, which now actually feels like a lifetime ago. Uh, And plenty of other episodes with baseball and basketball writers and broadcasters and interesting people. Uh, If you enjoyed it, please do me a favor and leave a rating and a review on iTunes. Takes two seconds and uh, helps other people find it. Don't make me beg. I beg every time. I don't want to beg. Just go do it. Sarah, can you tell the people they should leave me a review on iTunes? Please go to iTunes, leave a review, leave a rating, 
Mitch will be very happy. Thank you. I appreciate it. It's nice to, to let you tell them because they get tired of, of hearing me tell them. Uh, but thanks, everybody. Appreciate the ratings. Appreciate the subscriptions, Twitter, Facebook, all that good stuff. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Thanks again to Sarah for hopping on, and I'll talk to all of you again soon.